0: That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Before I start today's episode, I want to take a moment to acknowledge that I'm recording this from Boston, which is the traditional territory of the Massachusetts peoples, as well as their neighbors the Nipmuc and the Wampanoag. As I tackle a case so steeped in indigenous history and oppression, I recognize that I come from a position of privilege. In telling this story, I have sought out Indigenous resources, and I hope to present a clear image of the troubled history that both led to this case and resulted from it. Miigwech. This episode of Leia Foundation is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, there are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. Download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. We love you, Anchor! Hey y'all, my name's Casey and welcome to the fifth episode of Leia Foundation. Today, we are talking about Worcester versus Georgia, which was argued before Marshall's Supreme Court in 1832. So by a random coincidence, a ton of our recent episodes have been decided by Marshall's court. This is actually a pretty unique one in terms of its place in Supreme Court history, however. As you'll see, this case didn't go too well for the Supreme Court and many people cite this time as one of the lowest points in the court's history. Fortunately, the implications and eventual impacts of this case have been beneficial and ultimately were cited as a win for the court in its political status in the United States. This is additionally a case with a lot of context, um, particularly surrounding the history and regulation of the Cherokee Nation in the southern United States. In 1827, the Cherokee Nation established a constitutional government, officially declaring themselves a sovereign nation that cannot be removed from their land without their consent. However, this went largely ignored by the United States government on both state and federal levels. In 1830, representatives pushed the Indian Removal Act through Congress, which gave President Andrew Jackson the authority to negotiate removal treaties with Indigenous peoples. Also in 1830, the Georgia legislature passed an act titled an act to prevent the exercise of assumed and arbitrary power by all persons under pretext of authority from the Cherokee Indians, which forbade white persons from residing in Cherokee territory without first obtaining a license from the governor of Georgia and having taken the oath to support and defend the constitution and laws of the state of Georgia. Also in 1830, the Georgia legislature passed an act titled An Act to Prevent the Exercise of Assumed and Arbitrary Power by All Persons Under Pretext of Authority from the Cherokee Indians, which forbade white persons from residing in Cherokee territory without first obtaining a license from the governor of Georgia and having taken an oath to support and defend the constitution and laws of the state of Georgia. Samuel Austin Worcester was a missionary from Vermont sent to live amongst the Cherokee people in New Echota. He would translate the Bible to their native tongue, and he also became a defender of the Cherokee's sovereignty, informing the nation's leaders of their rights when dealing with territorial conflicts. The Cherokee were able to argue their position before the Supreme Court multiple times during this period. In the 1831 case of Georgia versus Tassel, wherein the court granted a writ of error for a Cherokee convicted in a Georgia court for a murder occurring within Cherokee Nation, the state of Georgia refused to accept this decision. Additionally, the Cherokee Nation attempted to defend their right to sovereignty with Cherokee Nation versus Georgia, but the court dismissed the case on technical grounds. Recognizing that Worcester was providing useful information to Cherokee leaders, therefore aiding the Cherokee peoples' resistance, The state of Georgia ordered him and all other missionaries to leave the state unless they could somehow obtain a license to be there. However, they refused to leave on these terms, and so they were arrested. Worcester's legal team argued the following, that since he was a federal postmaster in New Echota, he was serving there under the authority of the federal government. This did lead to his release until Georgia's governor persuaded the federal government to relieve Worcester of his postmaster duties. Given that his prior defense was no longer valid, Worcester was rearrested, along with nine other missionaries. After an eventual trial, Worcester and the rest of the missionaries were sentenced to four years of hard labor in a penitentiary. This is when the case made its way to the Supreme Court, where the sentence was appealed through writ of error, with Worcester arguing that this encroachment on Cherokee sovereignty violated the Constitution of the United States, as well as a multitude of treaties that had previously been made between the United States government and the Cherokee Nation. And so, the question before the court was as follows. Does the state of Georgia have the authority to regulate the intercourse between citizens of its state and members of the Cherokee Nation? The answer was a five to one decision for Worcester, with the court ruling that no, the state of Georgia has no right to encroach on the sovereignty of the Cherokee people on their land. In his decision, Marshall wrote that, quote, the Cherokee Nation is a distinct community, occupying its own territory in which the laws of Georgia can have no force, end quote. He further said that First Nations were distinct, independent political communities retaining their original natural rights. Additionally, he drew on multiple previous cases and legal precedents, noting that the treaties and laws of the United States contemplate the Indian territory as completely separated from that of the states and provide that all intercourse with them shall be carried on exclusively by the government of the union. Therefore, his logic followed that since previous treaties dictate that the union or the federal government must be the body to define and govern relations with indigenous peoples, Georgia's law was unconstitutional and encroached on the jurisdiction of the federal government. Some have stipulated that Marshall's language in this decision may have been influenced by the fact that some of his earlier opinions had been used as justification for Georgia's oppression of the Cherokee people. Joseph Story, a renowned constitutional scholar who had previously sat on the Supreme Court himself, said of this decision, thanks be to God, the court can wash their hands clean of the iniquity of oppressing the Indians and disregarding their rights. While we have noticed in past episodes that Marshall's court has been called extremely liberal, it is worthwhile to acknowledge that there may have been political motivation in decisions such as this. Even though the court was very clear on their ruling of this case, it provided no immediate benefit to the Cherokee people. At the end of December in 1835, members of the Cherokee Nation signed the Treaty of New Echota, a highly controversial removal treaty which was hugely protested by a large majority of the Cherokee Nation. Not only did President Andrew Jackson refuse to enforce the Supreme Court's decision on this case, he had a large role in negotiating this removal treaty. This led to the forced relocation of the Cherokee people in 1838, known as the Trail of Tears, wherein the U.S. Army forcibly removed these individuals from their land, and marched them to new settlements in modern-day Oklahoma. In a letter, President Jackson wrote that the decision of the Supreme Court has fell stillborn, and they cannot coerce Georgia to yield its mandate. Despite the case's ruling being so disrespected by the government, and ultimately unhelpful to Indigenous peoples at the time, it did become the baseline for the concept of tribal sovereignty in the American legal system. Additionally, The Supreme Court ruling was used in multiple instances for nations to be able to defend themselves against encroachment by the United States government, with this decision being cited by later opinions. Before I sign off, as always, here are our takeaways. The case of Worcester v. Georgia unequivocally decided that states do not have the right to govern indigenous territories that fall within their state bounds. However, this decision was largely ignored by the government at the time and President Jackson subsequently facilitated the forced removal of the Cherokee Nation from their sovereign land. However, though it may not have been influential at the time, this case has been cited by many as the cornerstone of tribal sovereignty in the United States and was used in many subsequent legal decisions to protect the rights of Indigenous peoples in this country. And that was lay a foundation for the case of Worcester versus Georgia. See you next week, and in the meantime, check out the podcast on Instagram at, at Leia Foundation. Have a good one.
0: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.